You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. what David gave him, even though he gave only sincere intentions. There are some things we want to give to God, but are prevented from giving. In these cases, God receives the intention of the gift. Maybe you can't give everything you want to give to God, but your heart is saying, I want to, Lord. I want to give everything I have to you, but I can't. God honors that. He honors what you give him from the minutest to the extravagant. God will honor whatever you choose to give him. God knows your heart. He knows when your giving comes from a grateful, humble heart. And He also knows when you're holding back and only giving with a desire for the admiration of others. Today, Pastor Dave will remind us that God doesn't care about how much we give as much as He cares about why we give. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 17 as he begins his message, Who Am I? If you can find your way to 1 Chronicles 17, 1 Chronicles 17, I'm specifically going to read verses 15 through 27. So, verse 15, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my house? that you have brought me this far. And yet, this, is, this was a small thing in your sight, O God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and have regarded me according to the rank of a man of high degree, O Lord God. What more can David say to you for you, for the honor of your servant, for you know your servant? O Lord, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness in making known all these great things. O oh Lord, there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation of the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for yourself a name by great and awesome deeds, by driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. And now, O Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning this house, let it be established forever and do as you have said. So let it be established that your name may be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel is Israel's God. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray before you. And now, Lord, you are God, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. 
Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. Wow. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for these words of David. My goodness. My heart fills with love. My heart fills to overflowing when I read these words. How David reacted to you saying no, but that you blessed him so much, Lord. Wow. I ask, Lord, that we would be able to make sense out of these words tonight and that we would truly look into your love and realize who are we that you might love us this way. We have done nothing to deserve this love. In fact, we've done everything not to deserve it, Lord. But you are a gracious God, abounding in love, slow to anger, gracious and loving, that has no end, Lord. And we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. We ask now that you would bless this time in your word. Help us, Lord, to know you better through your word. And help us to realize the wonderful and mighty work that you've already completed in each of us. And how far you've brought us to this point today. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we studied as David was dwelling in his house after finally bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And he'd built a tabernacle for the Ark to sit in. And it was now safe and secure in the hands of the Israelites once again. And this might have been enough for a lot of people to do this work for God, to painstakingly bring the ark back and all that it cost and all the things that happened. But it wasn't enough for David. David constantly desired to do more for God. It was in his heart. He constantly wanted more from God. I like this about David. He wanted to serve God with every ounce that he had. He wasn't content to just sit around. He always wanted to serve his God or to receive from him that which the Lord wanted to give him. I hope you're like that. I hope that's your call in life, never being satisfied. You're always wanting more of God in your life. Lord, I want more of you, more love, more power, more of you in my life. Remember that song we used to sing? What a great song it was. But that should be our heart. Because God has so much that he wants to give you. He has so much that he wants to bless you with. So much that he wants to bestow upon you. And he has already done so many wonderful things. And you know what I'm going to say. My favorite line, all this in salvation too. Oh my goodness. When we look at what the Lord has done. And what he's doing. And how he continues to do it. So David was sitting quietly with his chaplain who happened to be a prophet named Nathan. And he tells Nathan, I have an idea. I'm going to build God a house. I mean, after all, he's living in a tent. Look at this beautiful palace that I have. Look at this palatial thing. There's no way. Something's wrong with this picture, Nathan. Come on. So Nathan says, great. Do all that you desire. Pursue your dream, and let's see if it's God's will. It wasn't. It wasn't God's will. That night, Nathan received a word from the Lord telling him to speak to David and basically say, no, David, you're not going to build God a house. But within God's no, God reminded David of the many blessings that he had already bestowed upon him as king. God reminded David that, that he had never asked anyone 
to build him a house. Never asked Moses or Joshua or all the judges. Never asked anyone to build him a house. Sure, there was a tabernacle that they carried from place to place, but God never asked anyone to build him a house. And then God reviews with David all the mighty things he had already done through David. I took you from the sheepfold and made you king over all Israel. I've been with you every step of the way. I cut off your enemies. I've made your name great among all the earth. People are shouting your name. But I'm not finished with you, David. I have even something greater than that. Then he told David that he's going to do something else for him and his people Israel. He was going to appoint a place for his people Israel. He would promise under David's reign that he would establish a permanent and secure Israel. And he does this. We're going to read in the next coming chapters how David subdues all the enemies that Israel had at that time. God promised at first because David being a godly shepherd was concerned about the welfare of his people. Remember, we talked about David. He was a true shepherd. He was concerned about the people of Israel. He wanted them to follow the Lord. He wanted them to draw close to God. He wanted them to be protected. He wanted them to be secure. God wanted that too. And then God said to David, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a house. God promised David that he would build him a house in the sense of establishing an everlasting dynasty. An everlasting dynasty through David's seed. That one person from David's seed would sit on his throne forever. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. An enduring legacy long after David's death. David wanted to build God a temple. God said, thanks, but no thanks, David. But I'll build you a house. This was a greater promise than David's offer. This was a far greater promise because David's house dynasty would last forever and be more glorious than the temple David wanted to build. Plus, we know that the earthly temple has already been destroyed several times. It's already been knocked down and destroyed. But God's temple that he built through Jesus Christ lives on forever. God's temple that he built goes on and on. And that's what he was talking about. I love what one commentator said, quote, God honored David what he gave him. In other words, God honored what David gave him, even though he gave only sincere intentions. There are some things we want to give to God, but are prevented from giving. In these cases, God receives the intention of the gift. Maybe you can't give everything you want to give to God. But your heart is saying, I want to, Lord. I want to give everything I have to you, but I can't. God honors that. He honors what you give him from the minutest to the extravagant. God will honor whatever you choose to give him. When we get to 1 Chronicles 22, we're going to find out the true reason that God didn't let David build the temple. David was a man of war. And God wanted a man of peace to build his temple. David had blood on his hands. Not only from the war, but I think it's in reference to him killing Uriah too. David had blood on his hands. The explanation of David recorded in 1 Chronicles 22 came years later. But we can surmise from that that David up until that point had no idea why God said no. But he accepted God's no. In verses 11 through 14, God explained his promise to David. I will set up your seed after you. In this, God specifically promised a hierarchy, a monarchy for David's house. It was important for God to repeat this promise because he had never had a king before that would be succeeded by. Saul was the first king, and he and his entire household were dead. 
And now David being the second king, God was establishing this dynasty that would rule forever. And we read about this dynasty. God said, I'm going to build you a house in my name, and I will establish this throne forever. And I love this. I really, really like this because who is doing the work? God. (laughs) God's doing the work here. God is doing the work. Though David would not build a temple for God, David's descendant would. We know that Solomon builds the first temple. David gets to collect all the materials, but Solomon builds the temple. God said, I will establish your throne forever. And as we studied in 1 and 2 Kings, we saw the family of David go through the line of Judah. We saw the family of all the kings of Judah go through, even to the bitter end, because of the evil they were carried away. God said, I will be the father and they will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I'm going to chasten him. The descendant of David will enjoy a special relationship with God. Remember how many times when we studied 2 Kings that God didn't act upon the kings of Judah because of David? They enjoyed that special relationship because they came down from the seed of David. If he sins, I'm not going to reject him, but I'll chasing him. I will chasten him. I'm going to establish your throne forever. Your dynasty will last. And although these great promises of God were partially filled by Solomon, we know who filled the entire promise was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, because in in Isaiah, it's prophesied in Isaiah 11. No, I don't have it marked. We'll get there. In Isaiah 11, look what it says. Look what the prophet says. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who was David's father? Jesse. A branch shall grow from its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide the equity for the meek of the earth. It's talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's promise to the house of David was completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus does reign and will reign forever on David's throne. God's mercies never departed from Jesus, even when he was made sin for us. Jesus is building the Father a magnificent house, it says in Hebrews, in the sense that we are God's temple. We are the temple of God. Each of you carries the Holy Spirit. Each of you is a temple of the Holy God. And he's building a temple, his bride right here. This is God's new house that he's building. So we start in verse 15 when he says, according to all these words and according to the, this vision, so Nathan spoke to, to, to David. You know, I thought about this verse, and I don't want to belabor the point, but you got to give these prophets some props. Here's a king, here's a king who by one word out of his mouth can have your head cut off. Say the wrong thing, you're out of here. So the prophet came to him and said, you wanted to build God a house? He says no. I mean, that takes, come on. In that day and age, that took a lot to say no to the king. But look what happened to all the prophets. You know, go back and read in Hebrews what happened to the prophets because they preached what was happening, what was going on. They were sawed in half. They were boiled. They were cutting up, doing all kinds of crazy things to them. Jeremiah was locked in a dungeon, and they gave him bread and water to, to eat and drink. But it took a lot of boldness, but it took a lot of faith. 
It took a ton of faith for them to hear from God. I believe each one of them was led by the Holy Spirit. I believe each one of them was led by the Spirit of God and had that boldness to be able to preach the word of God, even though it came against what the king said. It came against what others said. It took a lot of boldness. So we come to the ninth verses, and David's going to respond to what God had already told him. And we studied this greatly in first, uh, uh, 2 Samuel 7. But he's going to respond. And his response is interesting to me. The first thing how he responds is, look at verse 16a. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. I love this about David. I really do. Always sitting before the Lord. Always waiting to hear from God. Always wanting to hear from God. Always wanting to hear those words of love to him. And he goes and he sits before the Lord. He didn't run away. He didn't pout or sulk. How could he after that beautiful promise? He didn't demand his own way. Lord, I'm going to build you a house. I know you promised me this, but I'm going to build you a house. Instead, he went and he sat before the Lord. I don't know about you, but sometimes we hear no from God and we get angry. What do you mean no? We act like we deserve something. How dare you say no? We kick dirt and go out and eat worms. At least I do, anyhow. Sad part about it is, is sometimes when we hear the word no from God, we don't listen to what comes next. If David had gotten mad at God at the no, he would have never heard the prophecy. He'd have never heard the covenant that God made with him. Sometimes we shut God off when we react to his no by pouting, holding our breath, or whatever it is. David had gone off sulking and pouting. If he'd gone off squalling and bawling, like Mark likes to say, when he first heard the word no, he'd have never gotten the blessings. He'd have never received it. But instead of doing these things, David hears God's word through the prophet Nathan, and he immediately goes and sits before the Lord. And sitting before the Lord, he exposes his heart in these words. In verse 16b, And he said, Who am I? O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Wow. David is completely overwhelmed by the promises of God. He is completely overwhelmed. And he realizes that he has done absolutely nothing to deserve this promise. Absolutely nothing. David knows that only a sovereign God of grace could make these promises and only a sovereign God with the power to fulfill these promises. Have you really ever thought about what God has done for you? If you have, I hope and pray that we all feel this way. Who am I? Who am I that you would even pay attention to me? Who am I that you would offer me salvation? Who am I that you would allow your son Jesus Christ to go to a cross for? Who am I that you would do that for after all that I've done that was against you, that was against your commandments, how I used your name in vain, how I did this and how I did that, and all those terrible things that I did against you? How could you do this? Who am I that you would even think about doing that? Shows you the character of God, does it not? Shows you the grace of God. That pours out daily. Comes to us. Even though God said no, he surrounded his no with all sorts of reminders of the things. Dixon David, look at back at what I've done for you. And we need to take inventory of what God has done for us. 
what God has done for you and the mercy has shown you. David doesn't even know why God said no, but he doesn't care. Because look at the blessing that's being bestowed upon him. God's blessings are so more important. What he has done is far more praiseworthy. It doesn't matter what we do for God. It's what he has already done for us. Already done for us. Amen. When we truly realize what the Lord has done for us, all the blessing has bestowed upon us, what can we say? What can we say? Many of us focus on what we don't have. Instead of focusing on that which God has accomplished on the cross and what we actually do have. If I never have anything else except salvation, I should be doing flip-flops. I should be running up and down the street praising his name just for salvation. But on Monday night, you're going to start going through the book of Ephesians. And you read those first chapters, one, two, three, and you are going to end up going, who am I that you would do that for me? Look at those blessings you have. Ephesians 1, verse 3. God has given us every blessing through Christ Jesus. Paraphrase. Every blessing. And then he goes on and proceeds to tell you each blessing and all the things that he has done. You don't feel like David. Sit before him and let him impress you upon you. Every blessing with that attitude. God's giving reflects the greatness of the giver, not the receiver. God's blessing reflects his greatness, not my greatness. It's his greatness, not mine. It's his salvation, not mine. He has granted it to me because his grace is amazing. And David says in verse 17, And yet, this was a small thing to you in your sight. Oh God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and have regarded me according to the rank of a man of high degree, O Lord God. David's wowed by this promise. He realizes the enormity and the ramifications of such promise. God does impossible things, and nothing is impossible for God. With him, all things are possible. We have to realize that. And God will do it. He has called you into that. He will do it. He's basically saying, do you deal with men this way, Lord, all of them? No, in a sense, he doesn't deal with all men that way because he chose David to bring his son through the world. But yet in another sense, because the sinner can trust in Jesus Christ, God, and be saved and enter into the family of God, God does deal with all men this way because we've all gotten everything that we do not deserve. You go back into Leviticus and you read the law. I mean, really, truly study Leviticus and read the law and all the particulars in the law and all the 615 or so laws and things that are in there. The scripture says if you mess up on one tittle, one small thing, you're out. Jesus Christ came to pay a huge debt, an enormous debt that we couldn't pay. He paid it willfully. He paid it voluntarily. And in that sense... God does deal with all men that way. You are In 1 Chronicles 28, we see David commissioning his son, Solomon, to build the house of the Lord. God had chosen Solomon for this work. In verse 20, David said to Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do it, and do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. 
He will not leave or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Anytime we begin a work for the Lord, the enemy is looking to make us afraid or dismayed and discouraged. David knew Solomon would face obstacles, but he encouraged him with the truth that God is with him. And when you face obstacles, fear, and discouragement, God is with you too. We're so glad you decided to join us today. You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working through the book of First Chronicles, a book that is rich with stories of faith and courage. This is a series you won't want to miss. If you'd like to hear today's message again, or if you missed it and want to go back to it, head over to AssureHopeRadio.com. Once again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. You'll find today's message and many others to encourage you along the way. If you find yourself in Cape May, New Jersey, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website. We'd love to meet you and spend more time learning together. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We loved spending time with you. See you next time for more on A Sure Hope.